1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Team Never Quit podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. And subscribe on YouTube so that you can be notified every time we drop a new video. So uh, we got a Patreon question. If you guys have never heard me talk about Patreon, I'd imagine you have. Patreon is our exclusive access to the show. Our Patreons get to actually ask us some questions. And I've got one today from Ryan. He says, looking back, what's the one piece advice You'd give to someone just starting out in the military.
0: Get a pencil, a piece of paper, and shut the fuck up. Don't forget your notebook. <laughs> yeah, don't forget your notebook, yeah. yeah. Be teachable. You got to be teachable. Be a, yeah, be a sponge. Yeah, be a sponge. Would you still be a Navy SEAL if you did it all over? Join oh, the Air Force. yeah. Well, man, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Don't be dragging anything old in there, because that's just old problems. A lot of the guys, when they get out, the stress they have or the... Uh, or the things that you don't have to deal with when you're in, like medical and dental. it's like, man, they really, they got you. So just go in there and sit back, take some notes, and learn as much as you possibly can.
2: I mean, it's it's might legitimately be one of the easiest jobs ever. They tell you where to be, when to be there, what to wear, when to eat, when to go to medical, when to get your teeth clean. All you got to do is absorb the information and then do the work.
0: It's unbelievable how the VA is jacked up because in the military, man, like it's just like, hey, get your ass dental, otherwise you can't go play. Oh, oh right, right, that, you know. No, you can't go home until you go to dental. Oh, okay, I oh, guess I'll, I'll go. go. Yeah, I'll i hit it all the way are you serious? But that's a true statement. Yeah, you have... Yeah, don't forget your notebook. Don't forget your
1: notebook. You heard it here, guys. All right, if you haven't already, join us at patreon.com slash teamneverquit. That's where we give you access to uh, bonus episodes, early videos before anybody else sees it, cool content we've got dropping. You guys have probably already seen it by now, but we are creating a brand new podcast studio. You guys want to be notified about all that kind of stuff. Join us at Patreon. We've got an awesome guest in store for you guys, Taylor Canfield, Navy Seal, turned NASCAR driver, founder of the Green Light Society, and he's not a sailor. I'm not the
0: sailor. Not not the sailor. Not the sailor. So Welcome like, to when, the you, show, like when you were like, how do you? I mean, honestly, I heard of, I know because that's your I've nickname now. It might be that your nickname. Damn it. You know how we get those, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I'm where? never leaving this. Yeah. <laughs> where the hell's the sailor? And where's you, there's another team guy that's in the NASCAR circuit, but he's the he's in the pit crew. He,
2: yeah, you know what I'm um, about Graham Molach. He was uh, he was on the number eleven team. He was uh, Jackman for the number eleven team. He he quit doing that last year, and now he's going for a ground branch, if I remember right. But uh, oh, what a loser! There's there's been <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> Graham, I love you, buddy. Um, no, and, th- and then there was another guy. Oh man, I feel like I should know this. I want to say there was a
0: guy that was working the the, the gun working. whatever that's called
2: it's on the tip of my tongue i'm sure i'll remember it halfway through but yeah there was another team guy um but i think he's since by the time i got to access on the cup side which is the top rank of nascar he was already out so i didn't really get to meet him within the nascar scene but yeah i'd go hang out with graham a few times and you know watch them work but um yeah it's been Few and far in between with SEALs interacting with NASCAR, so... Great job, by the way. Yeah, hopefully we can change it. I mean, that
0: is badass. Like, the guys who do the astronaut thing and do the NAS... That's just awesome. Because that's the stuff we watch when we're in and over and doing all that other stuff. Those high... man Astronaut, NASCAR... To getting that. Yeah right. Same thing, right? <laughs> kind of okay, I'll okay, I'll take it. Fuck it, I'll take it, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Two hundred miles. All right, hey, just uh let, let's back so for no, our I listeners, the guys we have as astronauts. Let's uh, so Taylor, we we actually got Taylor in the studio with us, which is awesome because normally we a lot of times, especially for COVID, we got to do, and we're all masked up. We're in PPE. And everybody's got rubber gloves on, just to let you know, all the listeners out there. No, that's totally... <laughs> Say BSI seems totally safe. Yeah, I got a thermometer
2: safe. check. Yeah. It wasn't on my forehead, but we're Tell good. them what you had to go through to get in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, at the <laughs> gate. Tell them what happened at the <laughs> gate.
0: Like, you get, uh, so you just through, to give everybody man. kind of a build up before we give the delivery, give us a little a little background, where you're from, how yeah. you got into what you got started, and how you eased into what you're doing now.
2: To me, it seems like a pretty typical upbringing. I grew up in Colorado. Um, you know, single mom household with four kids. So I I think I got a lot of my drive from having responsibility as a kid. And, you know, I was the oldest boy. And so I had all the outside responsibilities, mowing the grass, feeding the horse, the goats, everything outside was my response, fixing the air conditioners, bailing out the window wells. Our house would flood when it would rain. We had these weird underwater channels around the house it would pour into window wells. So I'm out there at 3 a.m. bailing this thing out as like a 13-year-old kid. But it was normal to me. It's just what I had to do. So, um, you know, I started work early, early, early. I think I I faked a few um, papers to just start working. You know, in Colorado, legal age was 15. I think I was 14 when I started actually like a taxable job type thing. So um, I worked as early as I could remember doing whatever I could. And, I mean, it was just normal for me, and, you know, aside from that, it was normal dude stuff, dirt bikes, you know, not doing your homework, being a pain in the ass, and... Mm -hmm. Typical team guy stuff. Yeah, typical team guy stuff, but I had the responsibility on the side of all the house stuff, so... um, Big school, little school, high school. What's that? The schools you went to when you were growing up, were they bigs? No, no, I grew up in a small town um, called Pueblo West, Colorado, and... What's the name of it? Pueblo West. So the the big town is called Pueblo, home of the heroes. It's got the most Medal of Honor recipients. Your your town, and then there's my town to the to the west of it.
0: To the west of it, yeah, we
2: know that place. Well, I live over here on the West. It's on the west side of Pueblo. In case context clues, but. yeah, I mean... Uh, That's funny, shit, It was... I think we had the the highest teen pregnancy rate in the state of Colorado. Like, it was... Hey, at least you had know, a stat. If you don't get out of there, you're stuck there. And my goal was to get out of there. And, you know, I watched my older sister. She went to college, racked up debt, and I'm like, nope, I'm not doing the debt thing. And I was like, I know military will pay for my college. I'm doing the military, Mom, and she was not happy with that. You know, that was... oh six, oh seven. Um Not necessarily the height of the war, but it was still hot and heavy. And she thought that I was just my, I was signing my own death certificate by enlisting. Because I had no plan beyond just enlisting. I didn't know what branch, I didn't know what job, I didn't know nothing. So um, it was my senior year and one of my buddies uh, who was a fan of the SEALs came to school and he was like, dude, he goes, I know you're thinking about enlisting. You ever thought about being a SEAL? And I'm like, nope. And he goes, well, you might think about it. Okay. I think I did one night of research and came back the next day. I'm like, yep, I'll try it. And that was the plan from there on out. And I think it was another four months before I could officially sign the enlistment papers because my mom wasn't going to do it when I was 17. So I had to wait until I was 18. Um, I hit 18, signed the papers, and shipped. And I got lucky. It was It was one of the retention waves in the Navy where... I got to go straight from... Oh, you
0: caught that wave, huh? Yeah, I, I got There's. to go straight
2: from boot camp to Buds. I didn't have to go get a C school first. and so I did that too. Yeah, no, I was, I was happy because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, yeah,
0: I thought that was a great idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, cool, I'll go be a SEAL and not have a backup plan. Yeah, sure. And then I think the weight of it hit when I got into Buds and I'm like, holy crap, I don't have a backup plan. I was like, if I quit or get kicked out, I am screwed.
0: Turned out to be the best thing because if you had something to fall back oh, on a couple of times, man, like, oh, I'll just go do that till <laughs> I we, was we didn't motivated.
2: I was motivated. Yeah, they pulled that away from uh-huh. us, man.
0: I was like, dude, you got to. We got to get through this. Well, you
2: know, and then and then as you go through, you see the guys that quit, and the next day they're in the dungarees painting Next curbs and shit, oh, and they man. just look miserable, and you're miserable. like, oh, God. Like, like, the weather's different over yeah, on that Yeah, it's building. a colder feeling running by You know what I mean? Like the the, the like, colors oh, and God. shit were different, yeah. and,
0: and that guy that just used to be your friend, <laughs> like, when you're looking at him, he, he's, he's like, something's gone.
2: <laughs> yeah, soul's gone. Right? Yeah.
0: He's over there looking like, come help me with his mop, and you're like, dude, I can't
2: do it. Can't. My soul's hurting, but it ain't gone like that guy. Right, is. right. So, yeah, so I was I was motivated to get through, and, I mean, it took me forever and a day. Um, I classed up with... 270 no i i got there in time for 269 i got bumped to 270 because there's too many guys so i spent a while in ptrr um classed up with 270 did hell week with 270 got bilateral stress fractures so i got rolled for that um watched 271 go through and classed up for the end of first phase and going into second phase with 272 Failed pool comp with 272 um, which was the bane of my existence probably if if you ask me the hardest part of hardest parts of buds was pool comp for me and and it was weird I grew up a swimmer I swam from the time I was five until the end of high school we were state champs like like I loved the water I was comfortable as could be in the water the five miles the the, the two mile swims evolutions were I was good to go on them but I was on top of
1: the water yeah, give the listeners some top. context like why was that like Talk about what that was like.
2: The, the pool pump? pump? Yeah, because oh. not
1: everybody out there knows...
0: Pool competency—it's—it's
2: it's controlled drowning. It's—it's it's, it's, exactly yeah, what it is. It's, 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 There's it's, a whole nother test called drown proofing, and it's nothing to compare. <laughs> yeah. That's to when pool they just comp. tie
0: our hands and feet together and throw us in. Yeah, and that's easy compared to this other is, thing.
2: Drown proofing is nothing compared to pool comp. Pool comp is legitimately controlled drowning. It's, it's I was just fearful. It's, yeah, that. it's designed to simulate
0: stressful oh. adversity underwater while on a breathing apparatus. Okay, so while you're under the water, you have your rig on, and what they're trying to do is make sure that in 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 duress, you can follow certain procedures completely blacked out. You you're not, you can't see anything. See, and the instructors, what they'll do is they'll swim down and they'll just, just dog the hell out of it, just beat the snot, tell you, tell your math, tell you, 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 you regular tie it in knots, and you have to address the problem that they've given you under the water without coming to the surface, and... But in a very
2: specific sequence. I mean, it's, a, it's, yeah, order. it's a
0: very like I said, you every have to, single time. You have to address certain things in a certain order. And they want to make sure that you can stay composed underwater. Wow. No. It, yeah, it's to simulate getting rolled in the surf or getting run over by a boat or like some like something yeah. attacks you and rips off your inhalation nose, or somehow, some way you get both those wrapped around your throat, which I mean that <laughs> right it was <laughs> It's a bad day. Yeah, oh. I was on a rough day. And to, to stay calm in any situation and how you do that. Which I've been in
2: worse situations in S T V. And I feel like it was geared towards SDV, but it's, I mean, it's a good good way to weed dudes out, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. And I came damn close to that line.
0: <laughs> Dude, I was on that weeping wall three times. Oh,
2: man. Yeah, I mean, so... Or two, I,
0: two times. Whatever whatever the max was.
2: <laughs> so you get you get four <laughs> chances with your class going through. So with 272, I got four chances to pass. I failed all four. So I got performance rolled after that. So then I had to wait, and 273 came through, and I classed up 273 for, again, pool comp. I failed three more times, and I passed on my... The very last chance that I had to pass, I passed on. And I couldn't tell you how... Dark the world was on that oh, last try. Like I was like, oh my god, this could be it. People can't really appreciate well, the stress. What the worst out. was,
0: you had to go overnight, so you had to go in the next morning on oh, that, on that yeah. day. And everybody else, I remember them going out in town and celebrating, and you're yeah. just kind of sitting. And yeah, I like, say once Fuck. you once you pass pool comp and, and buds, it's that's the mental comp. That, yeah. That's the you, yeah, you mentally graduated. Yeah, that's that's the last kind of. You have a weapons, fan, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a piece of cake. did you went through? They took your breath, they take your air away from you, man. I yeah, was it's like cool. sharks hitting you and stuff like that. And I, for those of the guys who are going through that and they have trouble with pool comp, I, and I was SDV afterwards, and I made thousands of hours underwater. So, yeah, we were in more situations. If you can't handle pool comp, man, there's stuff out there that'll turn you upside down. Yeah. So, luckily, you graduated or you finished
2: pool comp. Yeah, camp. so I passed pool comp that try with 273, went through the rest of Buds, graduated 273, and then. Um, three days before we came back off the island, uh, my dad ended up passing away. So I had to fly home for that and I missed my buds graduation. Well, the day you graduate or the day after you also go up to MCS Miramar for HAPS training so that you can go right into free fall when you start SQT the next week. Well, I missed that HAPS training and I got rolled for that because Miramar was unwilling to do a single haps course just for me because i came back after that you know after the whole you know dad thing and i came back and so i went and saw an instructor overby was our third phase proctor and i went and saw i mean he was a very dry sarcasm dude and when i went to see him in the third phase office after you know everything had you know guys are graduating and, and getting ready to start sqt and i heard it in his voice dead serious he goes dude i got some bad news i'm like oh my god what now and he goes we have to roll you and i'm like surely you're surely you're kidding he goes dude there's no, he goes you wouldn't believe how hard we've had to fight to try and get this done for you but Miramar will not run a haps course for you and you missed it so you have to wait until 274 goes through haps and I said, you got to be kidding me. So I, I had a lot of. With all the Air Force bases
0: in this country. Yeah. I'd been like, I'm driving to each one of them until yeah. I get my half call.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I probably would have been too late into free fall because when I went through, it was free fall started that very first week. You're going into static line and free fall. So I think I was probably too late on that, even if I found one, a HAPS course to go through. But. Um, Yeah, it was kind of a a blow, but I finished SQT with 274 and then ended up going to Team 7. And, yeah, after that, um, I worked up with Foxtrot Platoon, and we were supposed to be the Rat Platoon. We were going to be doing the Yemen, the cool um, ASOT level 2 kind of piece, and it was going to be cool. Well... As new guys, Team 7 kind of implemented the thing, you have to go to a language school. So all the new guys, we all went to a language school. I picked Pashtu, so I was in Pashtu for nine months. And, yeah, and I learned, I think I learned how to say my name. It's Pashtu is hard. Like,
0: so you speak it fluently, huh? Oh, my oh, God. I, it's, yeah. dude, I can say is. my name fluently. It sounds like Taylor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually learned how to say, yes, I can speak it fluently. <laughs>
2: After that, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, oh. tear it up, Oz. Go ahead. <laughs> I think Same next age. to Chinese, I think Pashtun is the third hardest language to learn or some shit. Besides English? Yeah. Besides from English. I mean, you got to read it backwards, write it back, or you, you write it backwards, but you read it frontwards and sentences are all jammed around. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Good so times. Because I had Pashtun right before we were supposed to deploy. I swapped to Alpha, who was going to Afghanistan so I could use my language. And so I deployed with Alpha, and then...
0: Did you ever use your
2: language? Nope. I tried. You know what I did? I tried, and I got laughed at by the kids, and I asked the inter I said, hey, you know, why are they laughing at me? He goes, they they, they don't understand you. He said, They're sa- you're saying things funny. And I'm like, I'm saying it just like we learned. And he was like, well, you know, there's like two 200 different dialects of Pashtun, yeah. right? And I'm like no. And he goes, okay, well, where where was your instructor from? I said, Kandar. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, they would never understand you out here. It's completely different out in the villages where we're at. And I'm like, I wasted at nine least months. I'm in Afghanistan. Does, does anybody, nine that, months does anybody know that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. So, so, redeployed from Afghanistan to Iraq and spent another eight months in Iraq. And that Back-to-back? Back, like, never came home? Never came home. No, it was fun, though. That's cool. Oh, that's Iraq. legit. That's how awesome. you pull that little gym? Iraq was cool. We were doing a ton of DA stuff. You know, the op op level was smooth. It wasn't every day. as was every third day kind of thing. And I was with a badass group of dudes, Delta out of seven. Um, got to be real good friends with a lot of those guys. And then came back and redeployed to Afghanistan in 2013. Um, with Delta again, and twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah twenty thirteen.
0: I was out there at the same time yep, you were. Yep. Front, so we were up, 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 the out there with
2: Mikey Collins. Yes. Yeah. So we, I think we did some parallels with you we guys. We did. Yeah. So that's right. Yep. Um,
0: kind of heard that guy's name forever. Anyway.
2: Yeah. So got done with that and went to trade it. After that, as um, the Mio instructor, Mio used to be. Uh Chipboarding I forget what we called it Back in the day But now we call it Mio Maritime Interdiction Operations It's been like and that Ever uh, since I that. Yep that's Oh a, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, same no, I can't remember what we- yeah, I was agreeing with you <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> So all in right. all of this <laughs> yeah.
0: I still don't understand Where the NASCAR thing came in Because well, normally guys Kind of catapult themselves They use the yeah. What they learned In teams So we had one. a NASCAR race And was it the girls You married? No Alright That's why <laughs>
2: Um, No, it is totally why. I It's me and the dog. I've got my dog that I had in the SEAL teams, my my working dog. Oh, yeah. It's me and him. We travel around and try and hit up any race we can get to. But the NASCAR piece came into play it is in because limit. that was like me and my dad's pastime. That was our thing on Sundays. My parents divorced when, when I was real young. So, you know, on visitation weekends, I'd go up and see him. And on Sundays, if NASCAR was on, we were sitting there watching it. And that was kind of our thing. We'd go to NASCAR races when we could. And, um, you know, when he passed, it was it was one of those weird things that I'm, I'm thankful we had a good relationship when he passed. Because if if we hadn't been on good terms, I think it would have been a whole lot harder. But, I, you know, I still didn't get to talk to him. You know, when you're out on the island, you don't pick up, you know, there's phones out there that you can call and sneak in at night and, and call back if you wanted to. But if they catch you, I don't know how they do that to this day. But if they catch you um, or claim to catch you, you get your whole class beat for for calling off the island, right? Because when you're out in third phase on San Clemente Island, it's supposed to be the island where nobody can hear you scream and the you know, rock, the rock. It's supposed to be miserable out there, and it was most of the time—the cactus and the cold and everything else. But um, you know, I figured uh, well, I can go eight weeks without talking to my family. I'll be fine. It's just eight weeks, and you I ain't gonna no be. Idea there
0: was a phone out there, did you?
2: Yeah, of course. There's phones out there. You just got to get to them. No, they have, that's why ours was harder than yours. You didn't <laughs> did you, have, you, didn't, you didn't did, have you, you, have did you ever
0: come across the, the Latrell Redneck shower while you were out there on the island? No, where's that at? It's the deep sink in the janitor's closet that I I I started it. My my class, my name, my Bud's class is the youngest one on there or the oldest one on there. Excuse me. And I used to shower in the deep sink because it was the only place with hot water. <laughs> hey, oh, that works. That's like a hookup. Yeah. That's not a bad That's thing. legit. <laughs> not, nobody come in here and fuck with me. I can sit there, late, and then, as long as I want. sit right there in that deep sink <laughs> with that faucet running over the back of
2: my neck. Oh. see, I know my class is harder because we didn't have time to sit in the shower and fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, see I didn't <laughs> have that <War> phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't even have birthing's out there. They had to sleep. It was a camp stupid. Camp surf. Oh, camp stupid, man. Yeah, good. So yeah, it's just it was one of those things where I figured nothing bad. You know, you don't predict anything bad, and it was a total crazy situation where he had um a hip injury way back in the day so i told him while i'm in buds go get a hip replacement so he said all right i'll do it because he was grumpy and you know that they never fixed his hip right so a hip replacement was how they were supposed to fix it right so he went and got the hip replacement while i was in buds and then um you know when they do a hip replacement they cut the top of your femur off they drill a spike down in there with a metal ball on the top right and for obvious reasons you probably shouldn't put a ton of weight on that leg. And it was a week after the surgery. He was... Uh, I guess he was answering the door or something. And the cat tried to dart out the front door. And he stepped on his leg too hard and split his femur vertically. He, your daddy bled out? No, he didn't He didn't bleed out. But he split his femur vertically. Got rushed to the hospital. They had surgery and all that shit to fix his femur. And then... um a week after his femur split and that surgery, he had a heart attack. Um, or I'm sorry, he had a uh, a stroke. Stroke. Yep, he had a stroke from a blood clot. clot. Yeah. And then a week he was recovering fine from that. And this was all while I was in third phase. Um, a week after his stroke, he had a seizure that just put him by under. Stroke. Yeah, put him straight under. So, that's when, and all this time he he told my family don't call him because they knew they'd pull me out of training or whatever. So he was, he was being hard-headed. but again, nobody knew what the fate of this all was going to be. So, you know, I don't, I don't blame him or nothing, but the NASCAR piece came in because I'm like, man, when, when, you know, I got to the seven year mark, the Navy, Hey, are you re-upping? Are you doing six more? You know, they, we got to know now, now, now. And I'm like, man, I th- I think I'm done at 10. And I'm like, but I don't know what I want to go do. And so while I was doing transition courses, um, a bunch of my buddies, you know, I'd go into these and we'd be meeting with Fortune 500 CEOs. And these CEOs are, hey, what what, what do you want to do? What can we help you with? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know, business development. I would I just finished my master's. And I'm like, I don't know, I want to do business development. And they're like, okay, what inside of business development do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know, what is there? And they're like, no 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 it, it doesn't work that way you don't ask us what there is you tell us what you want and we will help you get there and i'm like i really don't know what there is i've never experienced business i don't yeah, know I'm what in
0: 18 s- high school in the military yeah, i have I no like, idea
2: what you're talking yeah about. i don't know what there is inside of you know business that i'm gonna like and so the guys that were running the course were like okay, what would you, what do you really want it doesn't sound like you want to do business what do you really want to do i think they're kind of maybe getting a little aggravated with me and i'm like i don't know You know, I want to go race. And they're like, so if money was no object, you would go race. And I'm like, yeah, I'd go race. If money was no object, yeah. They're like, then go fucking race. And I'm like, you guys don't understand the scope of money needed to go race. And they're like, you'll figure it out. Just go do it. If that's what you want to do, go do it. And I'm like, ugh. You know, and I stewed on that for a while. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go do it. I was like, I... I don't feel ready, but I didn't feel ready for buds either. You did know, you I have just, to
0: do, do you have to build your own card? I you did go- not even. All
2: like, right. Most, now. Yeah, we, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Man. So <laughs> what I did was I found, um, you know, the NASCAR circuit has four or five tiers to it. It's down to like four now, but when I started it had five tiers to it, and the lowest tier, um, was the NASCAR Canaan pro series. It's a very small regional series, um, and they do short tracks, quarter mile, three eighths mile, half mile racing. Um, I think the biggest one they do is a mile, and they just moved up to Phoenix. But um, so I found a super budget team that raced in the KN Pro Series. And I said, What's it, what's it going to take for me to, to try out for you guys? And they said, Well, you got to have this much money, and you got to go race in th- this series first. You know, you got, we got to have some qualification races to get you in the KN Pro Series. So, um, l- th- luckily, they had cars for those other series. I mean, they were complete shitbox cars, but it let me run in those series. So, you know, they were super cheap to run. So I ran those races, finished like crap. But NASCAR then approved me to run in the actual KN Pro Series circuit. And so they said, all right, you know, you come back to us with this much money and we'll let you, you know, we like what we see. We'll let you run one of our cars. And I said, all right. So after that, it was just how much, how quickly could I save up money to to do one of those races? And that's when I, you know, like, uh, Andy Arabito, half face blades, you know, I went to him I'm like, Hey dude, this is what I'm doing. I know it sounds a little crazy. You know, do you want a sponsor? He goes, yep. How much do you need? And I'm like, you yeah, know, you know, this, and he goes, he writes me a check and he goes, here you go. And I'm like, dude, all right. And then Killcliff sponsored me. And then, you know, it was a lot of the, the team guy companies that kind of helped me out in the very beginning. And once I moved beyond k and Pro Series level, the cost gets astronomical. But I had to skip the Truck Series. Chris, you were asking about cars or trucks. I, I skipped the Truck Series because um, it's as large of a cost as the current series I'm in, which is Xfinity. Which is the triple A of NASCAR, basically? Yeah, it's the trucks are the same cost, but nowhere near the notoriety. notoriety. So how no, come? Um, the it's fan. So base, racing's I not racing
0: then, right? Because otherwise, everyone would watch it equally. So what does it have to? do? What is the 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 deal on that?
2: Uh yeah, pretty much the the prominence of it. You know, the truck truck series used to be big back in the day. It, it would have near the same crowd as the Cup series and it just kind of there's a generation that was watching NASCAR religiously that they're kind of dying off now and it's not been because they the, have the
0: largest fan base in stadiums like 300,000 oh, people NASCAR's right? yeah than any other sport
2: it's massive it was, the, it was the number one watched sport for a decade or more I mean and now you, uh, during the, the, all the pandemic stuff
0: you can definitely watch NASCAR now oh right? yeah well
2: it's now like the one sport they can do where you can actually people it, still watch that, it that, they yeah. shut
0: that so much down too it came back mid-summer right
2: well, yeah, no, it came back, but they, I mean, they even had weird restrictions where they had to cut, like, half of their crew. Um, you had to maintain social distancing in the pits. Pit. Drivers like, had
0: to put their own gas in the car.
2: Yeah, oh, no, I mean, it got serious. <laughs> they, like so, that. normally... You gotta change your own tires. Yeah, it's normally tough, right? the drivers would have somebody that gets their gear ready or whatever, and they, you know, I think some of the drivers were mad that they had to get their own gear ready, and I'm like, oh, man, like... If this is the kind of guys I'm competing with, you know, but I mean most most of them are pretty good guys. Um but yeah, I mean they the the COVID restrictions even fell on NASCAR to where most of those beginning races starting in June and July are were fanless. And it was the weirdest thing seeing zero fans in the stands for a cup race. And but they had to race that schedule. They had to get those races out of the way. So they were doing race on sunday race on wednesday race on sunday race on wednesday and it was a lot of them were at the same track just to get them knocked out it's been a weird schedule this year and it it screwed up a lot how
0: how fast how fast your car go
2: depends on the track 200 200. the on the high end it ain't no buds right to get into the top levels of nascar is not buds and i'm like when i when i got out of the seals. I said, "Well, what's the next hardest thing I can do? What what do I think my dad would want to see me do?" And I'm like, "NASCAR is very hard to do." I was like, "I'm gonna go do that," you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, "What's the next? What's the next hardest thing I can choose?" I already did what I feel like is the hardest. Maybe it's not, but I feel like it was. What's the next hardest thing? I'm gonna go do NASCAR. So and, that's the
0: trick. That's the gift when you're getting out. When it comes to us, man, it's like, "Hey, what can I do now?" It's kind of easy. We need to. You need to find <laughs> the hardest thing to
2: do, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks hard to other people, but to me, I'm like, that's. That's accomplishable. Like going into Budge, you're like, holy hell, what did I get myself into? NASCAR, you know. How many races do you have to race or win to get into the Winston Cup? Um, well, the Winston Cup is now um the Monster Energy Series, so they changed sponsors. NASCAR um, kicked out all tobacco. I don't ever so, watch NASCAR. Yeah, how watch, dare how dare you advertise for tobacco? I how watch you? Supercross. <laughs> um, so yeah, now it's Monster Energy Cup Series, but uh it's honestly at this point it's not how many races you win now if you want to get into like the championship teams yeah you got to be winning races at least probably win a championship in the series that i'm in to move up to those teams but if you have enough sponsorship you can get in yeah yeah i mean they kind of it's moved away from the talent you know if if you're just a good grassroots racer and and you can win but you don't have sponsorship, those guys used to be able to progress in NASCAR. Now there's so much money involved that if you can't find sponsorship, it doesn't matter if you can win, you're not going to race. Especially with COVID now, which screwed up. I had three good sponsors that were sponsoring what were for me qualification races, right? So shorter tracks for the Xfinity series that I needed to get to the bigger tracks that like Black Rifle was going to sponsor my race at Texas, stuff like that but I had to do qualification races before that for NASCAR to approve me. Well, those sponsors were, you know, mom and pop sponsors. And when COVID hit, they backed out for obvious reasons. I I wasn't mad. It just sucked. And I'm like, damn, man. So my whole season stalled there just because I couldn't get those qualification races in. And I just, man, I couldn't get momentum after that. And I'm like, Oh, so I kind of wrote 2020 off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to spend, the rest of 2020, focusing on 2021, sponsors all that other stuff. So, yeah, it was a mess. It's still a mess, but.
1: Something I'm intrigued by. Did you have any racing experience at all? No. Who trusted you to drive a car 200 miles an hour?
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, crazy people. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's what I was asking earlier, man. It's like what happened, like when you're just sitting there one day and you wanted you wanted to do that from the stepping off point. Yeah, like you had to go somewhere. And the, that's the toughest part. Is most people, even if you do have the ambition, they like, well, how do I get? What's the first kind of couple of steps? Right, no, showing I'm, up's the first one. Yeah, just
2: showing up and being there. Seriously, showing up and being there is for and and that's how a lot of other guys that again maybe didn't have the money or the wins to get into a team. That's how they progressed. is they showed up to a team, they work for a team for a year or two, and finally, hey, or you know, maybe one day the driver's sick and they just want you to start and park the car, and you know, that's you still get prize money or you know part of the purse if you start if you start the race and then you park it right after, so the car doesn't get no damage, you don't get into no trouble, the car still wins money, and so a lot of what? a lot of yeah a lot of times they'll do that because in in NASCAR at least the Cup Series. Anywhere from 1st to 40th, the car wins money for whatever place you come in. And so to avoid completely losing out on money, if your primary driver is sick, they'll put in a a backup driver. And if they don't trust the backup driver enough, they say, start it and park it. You take the green flag and then you get on pit road and you park the car. So that's literally a is, job. Can you, you, you get place? that no, as a job? Yeah, it's a, it's a job. I, we could do that. What's up? Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs>
0: I have our own little gang, dude. I show up every, every, every race. Like, which one of these needs to be driven and parked? I'm gonna fast. start and park your car. Hey.
2: But we don't need you. I don't care. I'm gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, Ferris Bueller, that sucker every time, right? <laughs> no, our, our driver's good. I'm still gonna start and park. Yeah, your no, car. you don't understand.
0: <laughs> um, what's what's the purse on win and first and last?
2: Uh, oh man, it all depends. I mean, it's is it up in the millions. Uh, for winning, it is. But you know, when you get. 20th half the field and back you're in tens of thousands somewhere in there every monday
0: every sunday and wednesday yeah well it was place
2: right but that goes to the team owner it doesn't go to the driver the driver's generally on a salary from the team and then you get paid off of your endorsements as well so if you're doing commercials for your sponsors like some ricky bobby stuff ricky bobby stuff big red um you'll get if you don't chew big if you don't chew big red then fuck you yeah you'll (laughs) get paid off of that but the team owner is the one that's making all that money, so that's crazy. You guys want to start and park a car for me, dude? Right, you got, should, yeah, you should have <laughs> yeah, this boys. We gotta like, get there first. Whenever but, you
0: got a race and you pull into the town, whatever. If you, there's a crew there, just muster them up. For, just yeah, to be it takes there for the Speedway. Yeah, hell. Show up in the jump. Uh, <laughs> we'll want us to ride and want us to drive. Sh- ride shotgun. <laughs> yeah, drive. Yeah. You, how much fun? Do y'all have as much fun though, like in the in between races and the pits and afterwards? Is it? I mean, the environment. I uh, I do.
2: There's a lot of teams that I mean I don't and know, that man, a business. after doing buds, nothing's just as serious to me anymore. Like I try and have more fun with things when I know I mean, yeah, you're in a race car and yeah, you could possibly die out there, but it's it's not going to war. You know, it's you're supposed to be having fun, fun right? At that job. To be having fun. I try and have fun. There's some teams that just they're all business and I'm like, all right, you know what? That's that's fine. Do your business what's
0: the but. difference between I was saying this earlier. Like I've been probably 130 miles an hour. I've never been two hundred, but there's a difference, right?
2: Yeah, it's a big difference. <laughs> Especially two hundred around a curve. And you know, it's it's ah, crazy ah. to fathom that car sticking to pavement around a corner at two hundred miles an hour. Does it feel like it's coming off the rails? No, it's fantastic. You oh. I mean the, the G forces going into a corner are fantastic. It feels like you're on a rail. It feels like you're in a freaking jet plane. How do you start training for that? part of the race uh
1: practice just but, taking but, it slower and well, then speeding up slowly or
2: yeah no just no. going out all my out first of- time on daytona international speedway which is our largest circuit in the track it's two and a half miles so you know cars are doing to 210 there um my very first time on daytona i was doing a test for the arca series so that was one step up from the K and N series. I was testing to get up into the next series, and it was an open test, so you could go and pay to test a team's car as long as they trusted you to do it. You know, whatever. I somehow swindled them into trusting yeah, me. Trusting but you, literally. So I'm I'm getting ready for my test session, and I'm like, all right, how do I drive Daytona? And the the team guys that were not seals, but the guys from the team that were there, they're like okay get it in the fourth and never lift like don't take your foot off that gas pedal and i'm like okay what about going into the corner and they're like don't take your foot off the gas pedal and i'm like you're are you are you fucking with me right now and they're like no if you take your foot off you will lose miles an hour so quick and so literally around daytona at least in an arca car in a cup car you lift just for a second And then you get back into the throttle, but in an Arca car, it's a less horsepower car. It's a basically it's an old Cup Series car. You don't lift, and they said just keep it pinned all the way around the track, and then it's up to you making minute movements on the track. It's terrifying to make the best time around the track because the difference in qualifying between the pole sitter and last place. Tenths of seconds. Yeah. Tenths. Of That's seconds. unbelievable. I, I got yeah. a whole new appreciation for
0: that when I did that uh, one lap America, the cannibal run race. I, oh, I yeah. race over Pastrana. Yeah. And we had a blast. But just to, to completely understand the difference between the first and 10th and 15th placement is a tenth of a second is unbelievable.
2: Yeah. I so mean, it's unbelievable. it comes down to a science between the driver and the crew chief of, you know, best route to take on the track for the temperature for the tires for the fall off i mean there's there's so much that goes into it and i mean there's one team richard childress racing has an entire command center back in north carolina that i mean they have engineers and scientists sitting in it's a war room for nascar and they're talking back to the crew chief on the box wherever the race is at and saying you know it, telling them telling the driver, do this, don't do that. You know, like it comes, they have computer simulations now that will, if you change an A-arm on a car or something, you plug that into the computer and it will tell you exactly how fast you're going to go around the track. And it does it. It's the craziest shit. So if you did you speak uh, driver? I mean, did you understand how to communicate back and forth with the crew? How long does that take? I mean, it's... It's more on, by the time me as a driver gets into that level, all the guys, my crew chief, my spotter, they're way more experienced than me. So they already speak it. So it's me trying to catch up to them, drinking through a fire hose, trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. You know, Because as a driver, you have to give feedback to your crew chief so he knows what adjustments to make. Hey, I'm tight here, I'm loose here. I don't get drive off here I'm you know and they'll tell you where you're losing speed because they can see it on GPS, all that other shit but um, it's it's a lot of seat time for a driver to learn that stuff, and that's where I definitely fall short of the pros is knowing how to give even the littlest of feedback so that we get another mile per hour out of the car, yeah. which could eventually be the difference between first and 10th.
0: But you said that, that's seat time.
2: Yeah, it's seat time, and You can't, you can't cheat that. You can't go over. No, no. But most of those guys, look, because you're a big dude. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, is that a thing? It's a thing. No, it's for sure a thing. I'm racing against 140, 150-pound dudes. I'll never get that low. I'll never get... But I, I've got some progress to make, for sure. Is that no, that factors in. Yeah. Them big teams would be like, now nah, you're too heavy. Nah. Nah, It's. I mean, it factors in, but those... I mean, Kyle Busch is... A, a, a NASCAR is right? already heavy. It's, it's I was about to say, they could just add by, your, cut it off somewhere else, right? By definition, a NASCAR is already, it's a heavy race car. It's, you know, twice the weight of some of the, you know, the other cars out there. car, F1 car, they're way, way, way lighter. You know, we're still steel tube chassis race cars. They're all carbon, monocoque cockpits. Like, they're... You ever driven one of those? No. Open wheel? To, but their budget's big, too. F1 car, their budget, you know, for a championship team, Mercedes budget this past year was, I think, $600 million. That's the deal, huh? That race, Le Mans, all that. But championship Mans, but I mean car that. for NASCAR, their budget per car is about $25 million. Still so crazy. No, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not, by no stretch of the imagination, am I calling $25 million not a lot? Yeah, just Because it is. Relatively. But relative to F1, it's absolutely Where does nothing. IndyCar come in? IndyCar, IndyCar's... Um, I mean, they're wicked cars. They're they're the F one car that generally competes on a oval track. They're I'm not really sure what their budget is, but it's not anywhere near F one. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more than NASCAR.
0: $600 million.
2: Yeah, six hundred million. That's for one season. What? <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's hard to get to drive
2: one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. That's like a family thing. A lot of them really? guys have the same
0: like that family name. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and that's the same thing with NASCAR. You know, a lot of guys have the family name, which it doesn't give you the skill, but it gives you an upper hand on... The tech? No, you're, like you know, your in. dad already knows the sponsors. You are, your family already has a relationship with these sponsors. It's like the Schumacher family. Yeah, the tech. Oh, yeah, That's what they have access yeah. to is the tech. Yep. I was the talking to them, I was teams. like,
0: how do you get into this, man? He's like, my dad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who my dad is? Don. Now. Don. Didn't Don they what do, do now. Don. Don. Well, and that was, you know, that's what was hard for me is go starting the whole thing. I had, you know, no name behind it. I had no money behind it. I had no wins. I had no nothing behind it. And it was, there was plenty of people saying just, you can't do it. Like I've seen it. I know what it takes and you can't do it. And I'm like, fuck yes, that's what I want. Yeah. You're hired. Keep telling me I can't do it. <laughs> Tell me I, I can't love do it. it. So that was kind of my, my thing is, you know keeping that fire lit with people saying i don't i don't think it's cool that you want to do it but realistically what do you want to do i'm like well now i really want to just prove you wrong so. that's how you know i'm going the right direction yeah yeah so
0: when you keep hearing that because it's one thing that they train us when we're going through buds is that every time something goes wrong they ask us if we want to quit and you always say no yeah the back end of that is when we ever get into a situation and people are like hey you probably need to quit that just shut you up right <laughs> What? Just going to the next one just we don't ever quit anything. Yeah. We move to something else, we yeah. don't ever quit anything.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, for for me it was one of those things that I don't know how I'm going to win, I just know I'm not going to lose kind of thing. So uh, that's kind of what I moved forward with and then obviously we didn't expect a a COVID pandemic to hit and I'm like, oh boy. So, you know, I tried to work around it and it's just it's tough when so many companies who would be sponsors got to cut the fat first thing that's going to go is the marketing material marketing budgets out the door we can't sponsor you anymore and it's like oh boy so that's been kind of the biggest hold up now is just getting sponsors and once we do that you know i've got the team ready everything's ready except for the sponsorship so once the sponsorship's laid out we can make a good run at it and then and go from there and then you guys can start and park my car for me
0: Gladly, yes. <laughs> so we need to see, so we need
2: to get the marketing department going. Rob's that. Was the racing what led you to create the Green Light? No, so Green Light for me. Topical list is what Green Light is. All right, Green Light Society is uh, it's a five hundred one c three nonprofit that I started, and I mean, basically we do adrenaline therapy for combat wounded guys. So anything that got your blood pumping before your injury. We'll do it after your injury, whether you think you can do it or not, you know, putting hand controls on side by sides, all that, other, anything that we need to adapt your sport to you is kind of what we were helping guys with. And for me, I think my own therapy was adrenaline, getting back into adrenaline. So, you know, I did a lot of off-road racing out in Southern California. You guys ever heard of Glamis?
0: Oh, yes. But I've heard of it. Yes. Of course no. I have. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Um, it's a giant sandbox. No, but... a glimpse, yeah. I mean, I've been there. Oh, okay, yeah, well, absolutely. You gotta go again because it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, we had a blast out there,
2: yeah. So, I've got this big long travel thousand horsepower twin turbo sand car, and that was like my thing to after deployment, and all this other shit. I was like, I have to get out there, and I'm like, all right, this is what helps me. I'm like, it's got to help somebody else out, so. You know, when I was in trade at, hey, you you want to go with me for the weekend? Yeah, okay. Um, I got to find a babysitter. I'm like, I'll pay for your babysitter. Don't worry about it. Guys would come out with me. Man, this is, this is great. All this other I'm like, all right. There's something to this, you know. And so then um, I said, any if, if well, I incorporated. So I got my 501c3. And I said, if you were in a combat role and you got injured from it, there's gonna be a little validation to it. We're gonna, you know, make sure that you are what you say you are. But if you are, we'll go to, you know, the world's end to help you recoup and and get back into whatever you wanted to do that you don't feel like you can do anymore. And yeah, that's kind of where it spawned from. And then, you know, I was trying to get NASCAR involved, do ride-alongs on NASCAR weekends, um, do the off-road stuff, the the Baja stuff, and there's there's a lot of other um, nonprofits out there that do a like stuff. But for me, it was just kind of my way to, you know, where I was at the position I was in, I was already going out and doing this stuff. So it didn't really cost me anything to bring a guy with me and show him a good time for the weekend, aside from whatever, paying for their babysitter and a, a flight or whatever they needed. So, um, that was kind of my way to, to get, give back and, and, you know, help out guys that, we less fortunate than I was coming back. So, um, yeah, so that's green light. Um, well, guys got something to do. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And that's what we need. Yeah. That's what most of the guys get bummed out and sit around They're look, looking for something to do a yeah. new kind of
2: yep. hobby. Well, and that, I mean, I get it. If, if, you know, if you used to be into side by sides and you get your legs taken away from you, you probably get pretty bummed out. And you know, I'm, I can't say I, I know the feeling, but I can try and understand, but I can also try and help you get back into it. Cause man, we've made some advances and, and you don't need legs to do that stuff anymore. You know? So, um, it was a big deal to be able to show guys once again, that it's not, you know, it's not going to be as bad as you might thought it was going to be. Um, and there are people out there that want to help. So, you know, it was definitely pretty cool. So, yeah, so I do the green light NASCAR my business ventures on the side. The business stuff, I'm trying to pay my bills uh, because sponsorship didn't pay me yet to be a driver and only paid for the racing. I still had to have a job, so I got all my my business stuff going on but um, and that's kind of what brought me down to Texas. I just got down here, moved down here a month and a half, 2 months ago now. So we're glad to have you, dude. It's been I've been telling all that,
0: anybody getting out of teens or uniform, man, come to Texas. We'll Bro, start our own
2: spot. It has been, it has been great. And I, you know, San Diego, I enjoyed San. I still really like San Diego. Um, but California as a whole, man, oh man, it's, it's suffocating over there. And especially it doesn't help that I moved up to LA, which is, I think 10 times worse than San Diego. And I just, I wasn't happy there. And it, uh, Opportunity presented itself to come down here and work in the gas and oil industry. I took it, and I ain't looking back. So, well, since this is the team never quit podcast, you got to leave the listeners with a
1: piece of never quit advice. It sounds like you've got some perspective between, the, you know, the pandemic this year on the NASCAR side versus, and then obviously all that you're doing with the Green Light Society.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, just as a, a broad piece of perspective, um, you know, things occur. Yet oftentimes we, we go on living, right? Like bad things happen. Things are going to happen in your life, but you're, you're going to go on living. So learn from it, you know, and that, that's probably one of the quickest ways to devalue yourself as a human is if you're not learning from your mistakes. If you're making mistakes and you're not learning from them, you're, not, you're making those mistakes in vain. And so if you can learn from your mistakes and, and keep growing from that, um, I mean, you could be unstoppable as far as accomplishing what you want. And I, you know, a lot of the guys that, um, I try and mentor, you know, young kids, Hey, I want to be a SEAL. How did you do it? What piece of advice do you got from me? I'm like, listen, if I can do it physically, anybody can do it physically. It doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. It's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. It's meant to break you, but you can do it. It's your mind that you have to convince to keep going beyond that physical, breakage barrier so you know if i can do it physically anybody can it's it's your mind you got to convince so you know that's why i tell a lot of guys but once you overcome that mental barrier once you get past it once you know, i mean you could be unstoppable and that i felt it, it was the weirdest thing i felt it on a run i thought i was done i thought i was going to fail the run and um one of my instructors ty smith was in the truck next to me yelling at me hurry up, hurry up, you know, all this other shit and just motivating me. And I, I don't know, I got like this second wind and hauled ass to finish this run. And it was just the oddest feeling. I'm like, I don't know what just happened, but something happened. And for me, it was breaking that mental barrier of your body's broke. You know, at this point I had dual stress fractures in my legs. Everything was screwed up. You're hurting, you're blistering, you know, your body's just done. And then you can push beyond that. It's, it was a really crazy thing to feel, but, um, everyone's got the ability to get beyond that. You just got to get there. No one's going to do the work for you. I can give you tools to get there, but I can't do the work for you. So, you know, know that you're going to have to do the work in the shitty situations, but, there's people that can give you tools to help you, and you can do it. You just got to do it.
0: Especially I mean, you adopt the mentality: that you're the one that's there to handle that shitty situation.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like, oh, it's a shitty situation. We're stuck here in it. Like, no, no, we're here to get it, get us out of it. Yep. And that's kind of the there are all those breaks, like those those obstacle courses in your mind that are already there, and you're kind of going through each one of them. That's how you make you know you're you're making progress as you're advancing is when you when you feel that it's like a weight just got lifted off or a new fresh breath, of, fresh air when you walk through something like, man, I just yeah. I just figured something out and overcame something and that's how you get stronger
2: well and and a lot of people are too they're too scared to start something because they don't want failure but failure is actually a gateway to success to you know to show you how much further you can go and you know there that was a big thing is a lot of people don't start because they're afraid of failure but you got to get over that and just go for it
0: well you wouldn't be starting it then.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what the that's what starting means. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's how you know you're making progress. Yep. Otherwise it'd just be a thing.
2: Yep. So yeah, I mean, uh, in in a simplistic form, that's about the best piece of advice I can give. Well said. Hey, thanks for joining us today,
1: man. Uh, how can people find you, follow you, support what you got going on?
2: Um, you can find me social media, all of my socials are at Taylor the number one canfield um greenlight society's got websites just greenlightsociety.org uh what else do we got I'm probably I'm I've got to get my racing site up that has been on the list for a while and i just wasn't very motivated to do it didn't have a lot to show for it so um yeah that's uh social is probably the best way to get a hold of me i I try and respond to everyone even if you know if you got questions about buds or whatever I try and respond to everyone and at least help you along the way a little bit i like i said i can't do the work for you but i can try and give you a couple tools to get there um or you can find him at marcus and
0: morgan park my car (laughs) co and co bueller's hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of the
1: show if you liked it share it with a friend make sure you've subscribed follow us on social media teamneverquit.com slash social if you've not left us a review on Apple Podcast please do helps us grow the show make sure to support all of our sponsors they help us put this show together every single week Taylor thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys awesome bro nice next us.
0: you guys having me man hey that was awesome